I'm just gonna grab my water quick. Meant to bring it up and forgot. So <clears throat> I'm excited to be preaching tonight at the midweek. And we're gonna be talking about a very important, important topic tonight. As you can see, unshakable peace. We're gonna be talking about peace tonight. Who here you want peace in your life? Who here, you want more peace in your life? You want more peace, right? You want all of us. I think all of us would say we want peace in our lives. And we also know circumstances, things can get thrown at us every day, right? That's why we need to find our peace in Jesus and him alone. And we'll be talking about that. But, you know, I do want to start with a scripture that we've been studying. This portion of scripture, I feel like a lot lately in church, not talking about in a series, but we a couple, maybe months ago, not even, we had a series where we really looked at this scripture a lot. And um, the main reason we've been looking at this scripture, which we're going to see in 2 Timothy, is we cannot fall asleep as the church. And I'm not just talking about a building. I'm talking about a group of people. We are the church, right? If you're a born-again believer, you're the church. We cannot fall asleep as a church while the world falls apart around us. And the Bible, thank God, the Bible gives us all the info that we need to discern the times that we are in. The Apostle Paul was gifted by the Holy Spirit to see into the future and to be able to warn us about the days we live in. And this is a scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, he says, and from such people turn away. So Paul literally lays out how things would be in the times coming. We could see that happening in our time. It's just the truth. We could see that. He accurately described the days that we are currently living in. Turmoil can be everywhere we look. However, it's so important to remember and so important to not just remember but to get in you is we must never forget <clears throat> That God never points out a problem with also supplying us with a strategy. Amen? Amen. We have a strategy. When there's a problem going on in the world, you're like, there is a strategy to it. God will point out a strategy. Now, that might be through, um, he speaks something to you. But even if not, here's a strategy right here. This is where he will show us what to do. Amen? You know, I remember as a kid, and I don't know if they have this anymore um, because now they got YouTube and all that stuff. So probably don't have this. But I remember as a kid, a little kid, I'd get a video game. And I'd always, I honestly was not good at like 
games that you had to like do puzzles and all that stuff. I'm not good. And I'd get frustrated and I would get stuck. And when I would get stuck, I'd get frustrated. But I remember you could go to one of the, the stores or whatever the games were sold and you could buy what they would call a strategy guide and you could buy that and it would walk you through how to get past each level. So if you were stuck and you couldn't figure it out and you were like, I'm caving in, I'm not doing this anymore because I'm frustrated because who knows when we get stuck and we see a problem, we can't figure it out, we can get frustrated, right? And I'd get frustrated and then I'd go, I'd get the strategy guide, I'd look and go, oh, and then you sometimes you would realize too, like, that was a lot simpler than I thought it would have been how to get past that point. Well, on a serious note, when we feel stuck or we feel things, go to your strategy guide. Go to the word of God. Amen? Remember, God he doesn't point out a problem without also giving us a strategy. And one of the answers for that is the strategy of these, <coughs> excuse me, times that we are living in. What is the strategy? Well, the strategy is having God's perfect peace. God's perfect peace. The, the answer for our times, because the truth is, is we could be, yeah, we're living in turmoil. We're living in crazy times. But even through all that, we can still have peace. Amen. We could still have peace. And, you know, perfect peace. You perfect, perfect peace. It's not that you're not going to have perfect peace if you put your perf, if you put your peace in the hands of your circumstances. I'm going to say that now. You will not have perfect peace if you put peace in the hands of your circumstances. You will have days where you feel very peaceful, probably. Good days, right? Maybe you're on vacation and you're going to feel peaceful. Maybe in the summer, then you'll feel a lot more peaceful. Why? Because it's not 10 degrees outside. But if you put your peace in circumstances, in another person, in a job, a career, whatever it may be, that's not perfect peace. Because perfect peace can only be in Jesus and him alone. Because again, circumstances can change. Our lives can change. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. I want to look at Isaiah 26.3, and we're going to be looking at this scripture a lot tonight, and we're going to be looking at it in a few different translations, but the first translation I want to start off with is in the NIV, and it says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You will keep in peace, sorry, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And then in the King James Version, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. We see here perfect peace is being talked about. And perfect peace is expressed in Hebrew by shalom, shalom. A Hebrew method of putting great emphasis on a word. You will keep him in everything, what it's saying, in everything the word shalom implies. Health happiness, well-being, and peace. God's peace is real, it's tangible, and it's there for anybody that is willing to receive it, that wants to receive it. It's there. That has a desire for it. Jesus, if you look in the Gospels, Jesus presents his peace as the opposite of fear and says that his peace counters fear and a troubled heart. Jesus offers us peace. And it's the opposite of fear because when we're in fear, generally we're not in peace, right? I've been there, I know. Like when you're in fear, you are not in peace in that moment. But Jesus says his peace counters fear. We also know 
that God's peace has protective qualities to it. Amen? It has protective qualities to it. And I want to look in Philippians 4, 7, and we're going to go to this scripture again and go through it a little bit more. But it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love that. That peace, it says right there, a peace that what? It surpasses all understanding. And it will guard our hearts and our minds through what? Through Christ Jesus. Guard your heart. Keep your mind. How do you guard your heart? Keeping your mind stayed on him. And can I tell you something? <clears throat> From personal experience, it is something that we have to constantly stay on guard with. And if you think about it, talking about our minds, what we're thinking about, what we're contemplating, what we're wrestling with in our minds, our thoughts, we need to be on guard every day. And think about it. We make sure other things in our lives that we guard, right? You make sure many of us, maybe some you don't, but many of us right at nighttime, you probably lock your doors, right? You might have an alarm, so whatever it may be. I know every night before I go to bed, I mean, my wife, my daughter, I just... I check the doors, make sure they're locked, not panicking, but we have that. I have a, a device. Like, it's just you, we, we take time to guard that, right? Most of us, if you have a car that you really like, right, you're good, you lock the doors. You go to the store, you walk out, you lock the doors, you lock it in your driveway, whatever it may be. You want to guard that, right? If you have something extremely valuable to you that's maybe worth a lot of money, maybe you keep it in a safe, you keep it in something, right, that somebody would need a combo to get into to be able to access it. We can guard that, but then when it comes to our thoughts, sometimes we slip up, but that's the most important thing to guard, is to be on guard and to catch our thoughts. You know, I don't know the number. I've done a message on thinking before, I don't know the number, but how many thoughts we truly think in a day. We think many thoughts every day. You're thinking a thought right now. And, but we have to make sure when we get the thoughts that come in that we know that's not from God, in that moment, what do we do with them? And can I tell you something from experience? It is a moment. Sometimes it's a split second and you got to kind of decide and you got to decide fast. And if you decide wrong, things could go from here to here. Now, praise God for his mercy, right? Praise God for his mercy when that happens. And we could go, and well, we can't hop in a time machine and go back, but thank him, the blood of Jesus covers everything and we're protected, but we need to guard our thoughts each and every day. And it says that guard your mind and heart, guard your mind and heart. See, God's peace is a gift of God. It's a gift from him and it's part of his grace. The peace of God. And here's the thing. The peace of God is more than just a feeling. It's more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. It's something given to those who genuinely, genuinely desire God and a life in communion with him. The peace of God, how does it come? Well, it comes from what? Continual awareness of God to know that his presence is always with us, his presence and from communion with him through prayer and through studying his word and studying what his word says. If you want to have peace, the God kind of peace, First, you need to make sure you know who God is. You need to know who God is. You need to know the loving Father that he is. You need to know what his word says about him, what his word says about us, what his promises are. Why? Because that's what your peace becomes rooted and grounded in. Because when something goes on, you can say, no, I know I have a loving Father. And you could have peace because you know your Father loves you. You know he desires what's best for you. You know that he cherishes you. Amen? Amen. Yeah. 
the God kind of peace is not just a feeling. What it is, it's, it's a quiet contentment and joy that comes from knowing that God is present. That's something I've been, <coughs> excuse me, working in my life, even really just reminding myself, like, God is always with me. He is always with me. His presence is with me. Amen. He's always with me. Peace, in the mind of God, peace involves the restoration. This is important. Peace involves the restoration of loss and a return to wholeness, completeness, going back to that word shalom. Amen? So number one, talking about peace. Perfect peace requires a mind that is stayed on God. Perfect peace Requires, if you want perfect peace, it requires a mind that is stayed on God. What are you thinking about? Maybe that's what you need to take inventory of. What are you thinking about on a daily basis? Are you thinking about God? Are you thinking about his word? Are you thinking about his love? Are you thinking about all of the circumstances going on in the world? Perfect peace requires a mind stayed on God. Again, Isaiah 26, 3, and I'm actually going to read the Jewish um, transliteration it says, thou wilt keep him in shalom, shalom, whose yet, sir, which is, means mindset, is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Perfect peace. Again, Hebrew, shalom, shalom. Complete peace or complete or complete or completeness. Undisturbed peace. And then mind in Hebrew is that word yet, sir. The place where ideas are formed and plans are devised. And it's saying here, whose yes or mindset is stayed on thee. So if you want to be in shalom, shalom, your mindset needs to be stayed on God. Your mind needs to be stayed on God. And there's so much that happens in the mind. Ideas are formed in the mind. Again, plans. You know, sometimes when we do things and somebody does something, sin, whatever it may be, most of the time it didn't just all of a sudden instinctively happen. It's something that was thought about. It was something that was played in our mind, some, a thought that we started contemplating, that we go, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not acting out on it. I'm just thinking about it. It's not a big deal. I'm not speaking. But that thought plays and plays. And then what happens? We start speaking it or we start acting on it. It all starts with a thought. Mostly everything starts with a thought. We need to fix our minds on God, to, to keep our minds stayed, supported, fixed, firmly planted on him. Now, Paul reflects this thought, and we're going to go back to Philippians, what we read, Philippians chapter 4, but I want to start in verse 6 now. And it says, Paul writes, be anxious for nothing. Now, that phrase alone makes us all say, amen, right? Praise God, be anxious for nothing. But thank God Paul didn't just say that. He also gave us a strategy to how to do that. He didn't just say, be anxious for nothing, figure it out on your own. Because then we'd be wrestling with, okay, well, be anxious for nothing. Well, okay, that is a lot easier said than done. Who knows? That we, there's stuff right we go, that's easier said than done. But he gives us a strategy. How do we do that? How do we be anxious for nothing? Well, he says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He said, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, 
He said, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You know, supplication, looking that up, supplication, it's more than just even like petitioning. It's, it's coming before God earnestly, and it's not to gain merit by many words, but to fully transfer the burden of one's soul into God's hands. To transfer that into God's hands. See, prayer and peace are closely connected. Prayer and peace are closely connected. If you're not really spending time in prayer, spending time talking to God, communicating to God, praying to Him, praying in the Spirit, whatever it may be, you probably aren't going to experience a lot of peace. They're very closely connected. One who entrusts cares to Jesus instead of fretting over them will experience the peace of God to guard him from anxiety. When we cast that to him, when we give that to him, Again, that word guard is to keep, literally guard, with a garrison of soldiers. We need to guard our minds. We need to cast our cares to him. Give them over to him if you want that perfect peace. You know, we have a loving father in God. Amen? Amen. You know, I think about my daughter. My daughter, she gets upset. If she gets upset about something or if something scares her, she knows if she runs to me or she runs to my wife, whatever, whoever it may be, and she just comes to us, you can tell that she knows, okay, everything is okay now. She knows that we want good for her. She knows that we want what's best for her. She knows that we want to keep her safe, that we want to protect her. Instinctively, she knows that. Well, we have a Heavenly Father that we can go to that has our best interests at heart. Yes. Go to Him in prayer. Talk to him. Go to him. He is there with open arms. He cherishes you. He loves you. Amen? So let's go back now to Isaiah 26.3 again, but I want to look at it now in the Amplified Version. <clears throat> it says, You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Shalom, shalom. Again, it's a side of God's nature to compensate, completeness to compensate. See, God cannot tolerate something missing, broken, lost, or damaged among his people or his creation. God doesn't want people to suffer loss. He doesn't want people to suffer loss. And, and if, if, if it happens, he wants to help compensate them back. We see that in the word of God. Let's go to Genesis now. We're going to go to the Old Testament, and we see this. So we're going to start in Genesis 15. It says, As the sun was setting, Abram, who became Abraham, fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. He said, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. So God is telling him what's going to happen. You're going to have many descendants. But he's telling them they're going to end up in a country that's not their own. And they're going to be enslaved and mistreated there. But he says, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. Well, we see this happen in the book of Exodus. We see this happen with the Israelites again enslaved. And in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, and if you really want to read it, I'd encourage you, read Genesis, read Exodus. 
But now in Exodus 11, 1, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague. So Mo Moses now is acting as really kind of the representative for the Israelites here. And God's putting plagues because Moses is trying to get his people free. God's people free. And it said, And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. He says, speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. God is going to return to them some things. Now we see in Exodus 12, starting in verse 33, it says, and the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, <clears throat> for they said, we shall all be dead. Now the Egyptians are like, get out of here. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their netting bowls, kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. We see God is in the restoring business. Amen. See, the biblical, the biblical, this is important, the biblical concept of peace has less to do with the absence of violence and more to do with completeness. It's about being complete. Complete what? In him. See, how many of us people know, like, you can live in the safest state, the safest neighborhood, and still not have peace. You could have more money than you know what to do with and still not have peace. You could have your dream job and still not have peace. Because peace, again, it's not built in a circumstance. Peace is being complete, whole in him. That's where peace is. You could have somebody that seems like they're just getting by, and they are in more peace than somebody that has more than they know to do with. Because, And it's not because it's bad to have something. No, it's because this person is finding their peace in Jesus, and this person is finding their peace maybe in other things. <clears throat> peace and completeness is not dependent on the outward circumstances of our life, but it's connected to an inward relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. True peace only comes from God. See, the God hates when we suffer loss. God hates when we suffer loss. And the truth is, is there's many of us, we wish we could just turn back the time and start over. And, and God hates when we suffer loss. And truth is, so many people are suffering loss right now. A loss of a loved one, business closed, maybe you're unemployed, maybe you're worrying about symptoms you have, whatever it is. So many people have suffered loss. And we live, truthfully, we live in a time, we, we truly live in a time when all of mankind is constantly being bombarded with a preoccupation of illness, disease, fear. You know, if you watch TV commercials, which, I mean, we don't really watch cable much, but sometimes we have like a Hulu TV thing, and we put it on, and we see the commercials come up, my wife and I, and you will see. See, our mind will get us to fear. Our, <clears throat> sorry, TV, sometimes the commercials, they want to train our mind to have fear. We'll be watching something sometimes, and... Something will come up, a commercial about somebody being sick and then they're taking a medication. 
and it's about this medication. You ever watch it? And then the very medications that they're talking about, they bring fear instead of safety. Why? Because after they talk about the medication really quick, they make sure they do say it really fast. They, they list like 36 side effects, right? This medication will help you. And then it's like, by the way, if you take this medication, you could suffer this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, 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 this. Take this. And if any of this happens, consult your doctor. And you're just like, I'll look at my wife sometimes and be like, I would be petrified to take that if somebody told me to take that. Like, outweighing the good and the bad. Like, what the heck? They just named off more things. That, like, they just, like, said some diseases you could get from it that I never even heard of from taking this thing. How could somebody want to take this? And, and it can cause, right? And it can come, and it can cause fear. We would see it in commercials. It's just like they can just drive us and make us fear. And, you know, when fear starts to try to keep in, creep in, we have a choice. We could take it. Or we got to push it away. We can take it or we got to push it away. And if you do grab onto it, and I've been there and you do take it, thank God for his mercy, but still just get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Many of us have been robbed. The enemy, again, he's out there to try to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. And many of us, though, <clears throat> because of fear, maybe we've been robbed, whether it's a relationship, our youth, wealth, health, anything that is dear and close to us, whatever it may be. Maybe it's something we foolishly thrown away, and now we have regret, shame, and guilt. Well, we know, thank God, that we've been forgiven, and our past is forgiven, amen, amen. and forgotten by cleansing, the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. And, you know, don't just look to the past. Move forward. I want to say that because move forward. If you're in guilt and shame and condemnation, just move forward. Don't just keep thinking about the past. Move forward. Wash into the blood. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And yeah, maybe you went off path. And yeah, maybe, and that's tough. And that's tough to wrestle with because, right, we do can look back and go, man, I might have missed something that God wanted me to accomplish that could have benefited somebody else. But don't live in the past. Move forward. Just move forward. Fix your eyes forward and say, God, I repent of that, God. I repent that I was not maybe listening to you or seeking you or entertaining other things. But right now, Lord, my mind is fixed on you. Whatever you have for me, Lord, I just want to be obedient to that. I want to be obedient to that. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 3 through 4 in the message. It says, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there. You know, in the Bible, we see, <coughs> excuse me, that if harm came to someone or something was stolen, that God would command that the return be greater than what was plundered or robbed. Very rarely would the return just be one for one. Almost every single time the return was ordered to be more than that, a double blessing or sevenfold greater. Proverbs 6.31, it says, Yet when he, the thief, is found, he must restore sevenfold. Amen. 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 One of the best concepts of this is found in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. So Jesus died, and this Jesus died, 
He was buried. Now he's resurrected. And it says, Then the <coughs> same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. See, the disciples are, oh, no, because their, their Savior died. Jesus died. And, they're, and they're, they're, not, they're wondering what's going on. It says, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. And so I want to read that again. It says, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. You know something cool about this? You can see closed doors were not a barrier to Jesus. Amen. He says, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. See, the appearance of the risen Christ dispelled the fears of the disciples. They were convinced that he was the same Jesus who had been crucified a few days earlier as the scars in his hand and his side that he showed them. And now their fears are being dispelled because they're like, it is him. It is Jesus. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. See, put yourself in the disciples' shoes here, truly walking the earth with Jesus. They did life with Jesus. They did ministry with Jesus. They believed in Jesus. They believed he was the Messiah. He was the promised Messiah, the one to come. And they seen Jesus do miracles, what we're reading about in the word. And honestly, it's really cool. The thing I love about the Gospel of John is this, and it just hit me one day. I mean, Read all the Gospels, you see what Jesus has done. And John ends it saying, if I even wrote about everything he did, there wouldn't be room. There wouldn't be room in libraries to write about this. So they've seen everything that Jesus did. Healings, restoring people, turning small amount of fish and loaves to feed thousands. They see this and they're walking with Jesus. And then what happens? Well, what happens is what Jesus was trying to tell them what would happen during this time as well, that Jesus was going to get arrested, that he was going to get crucified, that he had to die for our sins, but then that he would be raised from the dead. But now they're in this moment. We're thinking about your the disciples, and you're walking with Jesus, and now your Savior, you're seeing it happen. He just got crucified. He died, and now you're waiting, and in that time of waiting, you know, for us, we know, thank God, I mean, we have the whole Bible. We know the end story, Amen. We know that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Every Easter, it always pops in my mind because, you know, Easter, it's very easy when Easter comes, you know, Good Friday. We always think of Good Friday, such with Jesus dying, and then Easter Sunday, the resurrection. But what had to have happened in that time of waiting? Have you ever had to wait, and you're waiting for something important, and your mind can start running wild, right? Your mind can start running wild. The enemy can rob your peace. And now these disciples are in this time of waiting. 
they're locked away. They're, they're, they're pretty much, it said, they're locked away for the fear of the Jews. Jesus comes, he says, peace be with you. Then he said again, then peace be with you. So now they're seeing that this is the same Jesus. They see the scars in his hands, the scars in his side. Because see, at this moment, the disciples, what they were doing is they had suffered a complete loss of hope in this moment. Their Savior died, and they're waiting, and they suffered this loss of hope. They were damaged in their souls. So Jesus came when he came to reveal himself to them, and the first thing he did, what was the first thing he did? Jesus restored their peace. First thing he says is, peace be with you. Jesus restores their peace. He restores their shalom. He restores their wholeness. And the strength, because see, Jesus knew the strength of that restoration, it fueled them to go and to turn the Roman world upside down. <clears throat> see, Jesus, going back to that again, he says, when he says in verse 21, he said again to them, peace to you as the Father has sent me. He, now he's saying, okay, so I'm restoring your peace. But there's a mission now. He's saying, and as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, it says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. See, he was commissioning the disciples to the mission of Jesus of what made them the sent forth ones. And that empowerment of such mission ended up coming through the Holy Spirit poured on all believers on Pentecost. But Jesus first restored their peace because he's like, I have something for you. But first, I'm going to restore your shalom, your wholeness. Because you are whole in me. Your peace is found in me. And I guess I would say my challenge is for a message like this is all of us, we need to make sure that we are doing some inventory. Amen? Because we could think, I find my peace in Jesus and Jesus alone. Make sure you take inventory because think, man, does my peace get robbed sometimes? And if it does, why is that? Why does it get robbed? Does it get robbed because maybe something in my circumstance changed and I don't realize and I'm letting it rob my peace? Do an inventory. And if, if that's you, let God restore you so that you would be able to move forward in the power of unshakable peace and undefeatable strength. Let him restore you so that you might move, may move forward in the power of unshakable peace and undefeatable strength. And I'm telling you right now, I know from experience, he will. He will. He will. You know, I'll be honest. I know for me, and I had a situation recently where when I feel out of peace, and I finally get myself together. And I and I then I to the point where I could really sit and say, okay, Matt, what happened? Why didn't you have peace? And I'm gonna be honest, almost most of the time, if I'm just honest, it's because I know, man, I really didn't run to God first. I might have said a quick little prayer, but I really truly didn't run to him first. And surrender. By that, when I say run to him, I'm not just saying, I didn't just say, God, please give me peace. No, I'm talking about I surrendered and said, Lord, I cast this to you. 
this is yours and I know that you're with me. And no matter what's going on right now, I can still have peace. Because it can be very easy when something comes up in life for running to God to run to Google, which let me tell you, do not do. I'm going to tell you that now. If you want to let your peace get robbed, go to Google. Okay? But we can do that. We can go to Google. We can go to whatever. We could go to some, which it's not bad. Listen, I'm not saying it. You sh- it's good to seek out somebody. Make sure they are a believer. Make sure they know the word of God. Make sure they're going to speak the word of God and tell you the truth in your life. It's not bad to go to somebody. It's good to open up to somebody that you can trust and, and ask them for advice. But make sure no matter what, you go to God first. God's not plan C. God's not plan D. God's not, well, let me see if this will work. No, it didn't. Let me see if this, okay, if this doesn't, I'll surrender. No, surrender to God first. Because when you do that, he'll lead and direct you. He'll say, go talk to this person. Go open up to this person. He will give you the strategy, the roadmap. But know this, God wants to restore whatever you have lost. If your peace has been lost, he wants to restore your peace. Amen? Why don't we all stand up? I just want to take just a few minutes. I just want to pray over all of us. Because I feel like good people in here that you're struggling with peace or you feel like there has been peace robbed from you. I want to make sure that we pray for that. This is the truth. God is with us right now. His presence is here with us. Amen. So why don't we all just lift our hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you that you are a restorer. And Father, I thank you that your desire for me is to have peace, is to have shalom, is to have completeness is to have wholeness. So Father, if I've found my peace in anything else, I ask for your forgiveness, and I throw it away right now, and I look to you as my only source of peace. I thank you for restoring peace to me. I thank you that whatever I've lost you will restore. I thank you that I walk in this peace. I will stay in this peace. And I'm complete in this peace, Lord. Any cares I have, I cast them to you. I surrender them to you. I don't look to circumstances. I don't look to this world. I look to you. I receive that peace, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name, name. amen. 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 Listen, unshakable peace. It's something that we can have. But here, I want to tell you something, a last thing of uh, a homework assignment, so to say. We prayed that prayer 
I pray you prayed it in faith and you received it. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian, we have a target on our back. And the enemy will come after you. You'll get in your car and he'll already start to put thoughts in your mind of you had peace for five minutes and now I'm taking it back. No, exactly. So you need to keep speaking this over your life. But the homework assignment is this. Go home and do it tonight if you can do it tonight because the more you wait, you just you can forget. <clears throat> this is one good thing to Google. If you don't know them, Google scriptures on peace. See which ones pop out to your spirit, that your spirit has just even two or three. Write them on index cards. Carry them around with you. And at least a few times a day, pull those out and start speaking them and declaring them over your life. Because you remember, the goal is not just to be in peace for five minutes. It's to stay in peace. And how do we stay in peace? Well, through knowing God's word, confessing God's word, keeping our eyes on Jesus. So go make sure you do that. Go write down just two or three, two or three scriptures that's, that speak to you on, on the topic of peace. Maybe it's one of the ones we read tonight. I don't know. <clears throat> write them down. Carry them with you. And speak them and declare them over your life. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, listen, if you need prayer for anything else, we would love to pray with you. Amen? If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please don't leave these doors. Come up here. Tell somebody, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, please come up. If not, God bless you. We will see you this weekend.